0: So what we have here is a bit of a dog's breakfast. There's a time shift in this one and some serious changes in audio quality. What happened was we were all together in Winnipeg, so we met at a real studio. Then it took me a while to get organized, and it had been so long, we got back together to give some thoughts on what we said originally. In that one, I forgot my equipment when I went to Studio P, and George's Wi-Fi didn't work. So we did it over Zoom. You'll see how it all goes as we move along. I am having a snow day. It's May the 1st. It's a snowstorm in Thompson, a legit snow day uh, on the (laughs) Snow Day podcast.
1: Well, that was fun. Yeah, I'm not not happy. (laughs) Way to start by Sunday. (laughs) Oh, no,
2: no, no, no. Well, first, I'll tell you a good story because today is National Physicians Day, just so you know, because I've been receiving all these emails, you know, from my organizations (laughs) and stuff. One of the good things that Canada is doing, if you are taking care of a Ukrainian, we will cover the costs. They specifically are sending out stuff to say, do not charge these people as out of province or out of country like we do to Americans. All
0: right. That's it. War. What is, a good what for? is it
2: good for? War, <laughs> war. What's war
0: is hell. Has it, have you
3: guys Sucks. ever heard I think I just that's There's money. the music drop for you. Pray, yes.
0: pray for peace. Yeah, we'll
3: war, is, war is hell. Sunday,
4: Bleddy Sunday. Ooh war okay. what is it good, good for That's what Absolutely, along. absolutely. Um, <laughs> say it again all right Derek. <laughs>
0: refresh the scotches i need right. a pee break actually yeah, yeah i do too
4: actually yeah. so, so we hit pause and take, yeah, take yeah call oh, call no i'm good, good. here yeah, yeah, bruce
1: like how long are, what's <laughs> as
4: long as we want we just pay for the time <laughs> we're here yeah, yeah well, I, george I mean, is paying I for the studio war what is it good for absolutely nothing say it again Steve, I, I, I just overheard Alex talking to her mom this morning. Alex's aunt and uncle are taking in a Ukrainian family. They arrive oh. next week. Oh, wow. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. The is- guy's like a software engineer. I think he works for YouTube or something. Like they're not refugees. They're just displaced. He's <laughs> like, look, I, I've got a good job at work remotely, but I've got no place to live. And they're, they're taking in. It's like a, I think it's a, a husband and wife and either one or two small kids are going to live with them in their home for six months. Wow.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, Bruce, yeah, you there's have good two people homes. doing good things.
0: <laughs> I do have two homes. I should have a Russian family come move in with me. Record scratch myself in the intro. I deserve it. Hard fumble. We all know I meant Ukrainian. Then that would be a good excuse for me to live at Paint Lake. They could have my house in town. (laughs)
2: Dude, I'm going to guess Siberia has got the same weather as Thompson. Like it's it's snow on the ground, right? Like it it wouldn't be too different.
0: They would feel at home 100%.
4: War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. So you
3: very nicely,
4: the way Les Hansen thinks
0: scared the shit out of a song? <laughs>
3: <laughs> scared the
0: shit out of sorry <laughs> Brewster shit his pants
4: war what is it good for absolutely nothing say it again i wouldn't mind doing a little thing on war whatever you want boss okay you better have a good fucking intro ready I right know, now I, for i know i this. don't I have a
0: better intro for
4: the other one but i'm not clear
2: no day i wanna today if we had
4: here's the disclaimer or What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again.
0: All right, we get it. Les isn't a big fan of war. Here's the real disclaimer. Yeah, there's some swearing. Maybe it's a little inappropriate at times, but my mom hasn't stopped listening yet, so it can't be that bad. This is the Snow Day podcast with
1: leadership expert Steven De Right? People like sending prayers. They don't fucking need your prayers. They need money, they need support, they need ammunition. Do you know what I mean? And I think so. I know for sure if this came here, uh, I mean I I wouldn't want our kids going to war, but I would go for sure. I would I would fight because you have to. CEO Leslie Hansen
4: what if you had to actually fucking pick up a gun and hide behind the corner of your house and shoot at somebody?
0: Dr. George Alvarez.
2: You know, he was talking about, you know, not needing prayers and needing action. And I couldn't, like, he kept saying things in a different way. And then it struck me after I heard it the second time. He was actually paraphrasing a very famous quote that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing.
0: And. Me, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. As I get older, conflict bothers me more and more and so I think that's why this is really stressful to me right now, to think that that I should get up and shoot at somebody or or like literally fight them and I just, I can't picture myself doing that, I really can't. Not that I wouldn't defend my family and my country and my house and I guess I just want a world where that doesn't happen. DVD, I think you've been bouncing around more than the rest
1: of us. It's like pre-COVID times again for you. Life is grand. Uh, what's shaking, brother? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in Toronto for a few hours, and then I'm on the road again. I was in Montreal yesterday, so I'm here. Uh, I did have a lovely uh, check-in with Les last weekend. We, uh, we connected in... Uh, in real time and got the ladies to meet uh for the first time so we had uh, uh some drinks at the Broadview Hotel in Toronto. Uh I'm doing well. The boys are are awesome. Bray is finishing his uh second last year of engineering this week and Zane finished his first year of college and doing the interview uh journey, getting interviews for his uh summer job. So yeah, no things are things are good. Busy like always. Um and yeah, the whole flying flying thing again, crowded airports uh <laughs> It, it feels like it just nothing, nothing changed. I mean, you're still wearing a mask in the plane. You know, in the in the airport, things feel like they're picking up again. Although in Montreal, interestingly enough, they were really bad about <laughs> adhering to restrictions, and they're they're fully on. You can't be anywhere without a mask in public, uh, including restaurants and stuff of like that. Again, so it's I found it weird because they were so la- laissez-faire uh, through most of the pandemic, or as I really doesn't matter. Then I get back to Toronto, and they're like, Oh yeah, you don't need to wear a mask. It's fine. Just come on, come on in. <laughs> so it's a bit, uh, it's a little bit uh, destabilizing in moments, but uh, yeah that's 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 me today i'm doing well it's good to be here guys before we let
0: you go how many places have you been to in the last 6 weeks in the Take last 6
1: weeks, it's well it's been back and forth to toronto uh, probably seven times and then uh <laughs> other cities you know three or four it's hard to count but like it, i woke up the other day where i again it was starting to happen where it's like i had no idea where i was <laughs> until i turned on the light <laughs> and went oh okay i'm i'm in montreal yeah so yeah well, it's it's a nice. lot I saw my aeroplan points uh, climbing up again, so
0: I was trying to remember oh. the last time I've been on a plane it's maybe three years I don't know it's been mm-hmm. a long time. Uh, Les does a story check out the Broadview hotel You're, you guys are like cheers there now when you walk in like norm
4: it's our romantic date site. It's where we yeah. like to meet up and have romantic sunset drinks on uh, Sunday afternoons. <laughs> this time we thought we'd better bring some cover, so we brought the ladies with us <laughs> <laughs> But it's uh, that's a great place. We like it. Sunday afternoon is pretty cool there. It's strategically located sort of halfway between our two respective <laughs> pads here in Toronto. So it's kind of nice to walk to the middle and, and meet there. So yeah, it was a good time. Good to see Steve. Um, that's about all I've done, I think, since the last check in. Into a few Raptor games. That's over now, obviously. Less you can blame the Raptors' loss in game six on me. I think I actually watched the first half of the game, which that's for sure. The that's, <laughs> first that's half probably was great. First... I was feeling good at halftime.
0: It was terrific. And uh, and I thought, oh, I should watch more of these games. And then I left, <laughs> I came back, and they got creamed in the second
4: half. That's you. I will blame it on you. You were mud, Bruce. You were the I, mud. I was.
0: <laughs> I, I should have stuck around. <laughs> yeah. Georgie, what's going on in your world?
2: Most of my check-in have to do with my kids. There are sort of funny stories. You know, I'm helping Zara apply for jobs for the summer. We actually just dropped off her CV, which is, as you can imagine, flowery and puffed up because she's literally done nothing in her life uh, to Rona. Uh, so will see <laughs> if she'll be like her at Tia Bonnie and work at Canadian Tire Rona as a cashier. And uh, yesterday, she did a pretty big thing. I, I picked her up from school on Friday because Friday here is done early. And she immediately goes into her lawyer speak. I, I'm very certain Zara will become a lawyer. She just naturally negotiates. And uh, she convinced me to take my car and some of her friends. And she did her first road trip to Canmore with five of her buddies. Oh, my
1: goodness. Wow. Wow.
2: Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, she, she actually got up early on a Saturday organized, went out there, came back and dropped off all of her, uh, her friends. And then we had dinner. So that was a pretty, you know, I think it's such a fond memory. If you remember, you know, road trips, when you started doing them, when you were young and, and for me, my first road trips were really going out to paint Lake with my friends, right. Yeah. With all the people and having all those good times, except, you know, Kenmore 120 kilometers away. It's not 30 <laughs> kilometers yeah. away but uh, anyways that's a that's a pretty cool thing to have her experience so it's like and then like
4: <laughs> it's
2: like yeah. like
1: george i was telling somebody the other day that we would get in a car and drive to winnipeg after work or after school you know and that was 800 kilometers so yeah. to, to, the, to the nearest city right
2: <laughs> it's a sweet memory if you think about you know your the beginning of road trips are yeah. are so fun and i don't think they realize because they're so connected all the time. It's a, it's a different experience being in the same car. People are not on their phones. They're listening to music and going somewhere. Anyways, it's I think it's just a cool memory, and I'm glad I got to experience it. Uh, and then, you know, the reason why we're doing this with Zoom is I have no internet. I woke up yesterday uh, morning with no internet, and I did my usual troubleshooting. I phoned Shaw. Some guy in Montreal helped me out for about 45 minutes, and he said, look, sir, there must be something wrong either with your connection outside the house or your box so we're gonna send somebody out uh, today at five o'clock it is weird not having internet with two kids that have grown up I mean our TV is connected to the internet my music is connected to the internet their homework is connected to internet so we couldn't do anything and it's, it's, it's <laughs> funny so less so obviously I have Wi-Fi so is I have no internet I woke up yesterday uh, morning with no internet. So obviously I have Wi-Fi. So uh, Megan and I are watching a movie uh, on her laptop and Seb comes up from downstairs. He's says, Oh, what are you guys doing? And oh, we're watching a movie. What the hell, dad? How come you get to watch a movie? Uh, and I said, well, what are you doing? He goes, I'm sitting in the dark with Penny uh, eating ice cream. <laughs> 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 He's like, <laughs> so I start, and he goes, yeah, I have, no, I can do nothing. And I'm all, well, that's, you know, and I, I kind of made a point of saying you kind of have to be bored
4: because kids yeah, go outside. don't get to be bored. <laughs> yeah. But it's dark. And stand on your lawn it's, and look around. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't but see anyways, other kids playing because they all have internet at their home. So they're all inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, George, anyways, now we know uh, why Zara wanted to do a road trip. She's like, yeah. we got no internet. I'm I'm out of here.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> anyway, so that it was it was just it was uh, it was very funny to him. Like he was he sounded so pathetic. I'm sitting in the dark with Petty eating ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: hey, you just described half of our childhoods. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I might turn off my internet, you know, once a month, just so that they get to feel boredom.
0: You won't. You won't actually do it, but. You can talk tough now. You'll get bored before they will, and you'll be like, yeah. okay, we'll, we'll just turn it back on for a little while. Yeah.
1: I'm just going <laughs> to click, 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 click.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Megan won't let you either.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Are, are, you, are your lights connected to your internet? Like, why did Zeb have to sit in the
2: dark? <laughs> <laughs> he was depressed. Yeah, well, uh, no, no, they're not. I think that was a little bit of showmanship, though, like mm-hmm. to say, like, woe is me.
1: Speed being I a martyr. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the dark. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: not bad. My check in, George, ties in uh, to your story about Zara pretty well. So, uh, my, my big news over the last three weeks is you inspired me to go on a road trip, George. Um, well, good. There was that, you know, that storm of, was supposed to be the storm of 30 years in Winnipeg. Like there was a big snowstorm that was supposed to happen there. Yeah. We were we were scheduled to go down for our Manitoba Cup hockey trip. So we hadn't been down there in three years. This is a trip that we, you know, our group had done a bunch of times. And uh, as that, all those warnings were coming out, I was, as the as the senior man on the team, I was pretty vocal about not going. Like I said, guys, let's why are we chancing it? Like, this makes no sense. Travel's not advised. Like let's, it's supposed to be nice in Thompson, you know, let's plan a nice fishing weekend. We all have cottages out here, blah, blah, blah. Right. Some of the other guys were kind of on the fence. A few people were with me. And then as we got closer to the day, it looked like that storm wasn't going to happen, but we still weren't sure. So I planned not to go. I I sent to the group, I said, guys, I'm not going to go to the, go to the trip no matter what. So then uh, I had booked some days off. So I'm out here at the cottage on Thursday afternoon. I got the day off. It's nice. I'm puttering around and then the group chat starts to fire up a little bit. Right. Some of the guys just said, no, we're going like we've got nine guys. We're going down to the trip. I text Michael. He's like, yeah, something just happened. I'm on my way to Winnipeg in an hour and a half. <laughs> he goes, I called an audible. I had the day two. I'm leaving at lunch. I'm supposed to be traveling with them. I said, I can't get there for noon. Like this just isn't going to happen. So I said, whatever, I'm not going. And then as the afternoon went on, I got a little bit of FOMO and, uh, and George, I could just hear you in my ears saying we have to have experiences. Like, it's not about, <laughs> it's not about stuff. It's about doing things like that's what at this time in our lives, we got to do stuff. And so I thought, ah, so I texted one of the younger guys and he said, yeah, actually, there's still a spot in my truck. So I said, okay, I'm in for Friday morning at seven o'clock. And it, it felt like a sliding door moment to me. I was standing in the backyard at the cottage, just looking at my phone. Do I hit send on I'm going, or do I not hit send? Like, I'm, I got to hit it now because there was another guy that might jump in the truck. So boom, jumped in the truck. Left Friday morning with a bunch of guys that I would have never traveled with. And it turned out just absolutely awesome. It's what you said, George. The trip down felt like about three hours and the trip home felt like two. Like we just talked the whole way, listened to music, just had a, had a blast. Tournament was fun. We ended up winning the tournament. It was some younger guys who I didn't realize had heard lots about this trip, but had never been on it. And so it was a little bit, not legendary in their minds, but they were excited about it and uh, everything worked out. We had lots of fun, you know, went out to a couple restaurants as a group won the games and uh, nice. came home. So that's my check in the sliding door moment. And George in my ears, basically saying, go like <laughs> you need to have these experiences. <laughs> you can, you can be at your cottage all the rest of the year. Get going, man. And now it's March 26th, 2022. The biggest thing that's happening in the world right now is a war halfway around the world. But that for me anyways, is the, the first war that's actually kind of, meant anything to me, I think, or or like, like actually feels real. And that's probably because Canada is the second largest Ukrainian population outside of the Ukraine, other than Russia, which that feels like a little bit of a technicality to me. I had a lady that I work with break down the other day in a meeting because she has relatives in Russia, or sorry, in the Ukraine. She went to Ukrainian school. I mean, to me, this is, this is real. And if we were sitting around in a basement, for sure, this is what we would be talking about to one degree or another. I think the thing that I just can't reconcile in my mind is that it's actually happening. Like I, I just, I know this has happened. It happens in the world all the time where one country forcibly tries to take over another, but it, that always seemed too far away. And now it's kind of real in my mind. And I just don't even fathom how that happens in 2022, that, that soldiers come marching into your town and how, what are the logistics around you now obviously recognizing them as the people in power or that you're now part of another country? Like I just, I had never given much thought to that because it always felt far away. And I mean, my brother-in-law went to Iraq and, you know, we've known people that have gone to some of those other large conflicts, but somehow in my mind that felt different. And I don't know why it felt different, maybe because I didn't have relatives there or it just Mm -hmm. just didn't feel as real. Um, So I've really struggled with this. I've struggled with the thought that if we were there, uh, I mean, Murphy and Zane and mm-hmm. Braden, and who knows, it's 2022, maybe Paige and, and Zara and Seb would be off to war Yeah, and would get called up to do that. And how would I feel about that? In some respects, I, we might be going to war, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like they're getting men that are in their 50s. And I just can't, you know, get my head around that. So I don't know where you guys are at with this. Has this sunk in more for you than in maybe some other conflicts in the world? Um, and what would you do?
1: Like, would you participate? Would you, yeah, would you I, be I, a draft dodger? Where would you go? I know I would participate right away. Like, I mean, I, you guys know, I do the clubhouse thing, right? I have a friend in the Ukraine. She lives outside of, uh, Kiev. And when the bombing started, I texted her and said, Hey, how are you doing? And she's like, I'd love to talk. We jumped into a clubhouse room and what was, what made it so real was how scared she was, right? And that this just started <laughs> happening. And for me, it was an automatic, this is real and like you said lots of we know lots of ukrainian people like there's tons of my friends are ukrainian and and i think what makes this um more real is the the uncertainty of the person leading it the shroud of secrecy like the, the one crazy thing was her cousins in russia didn't believe her for weeks they still don't like they are talking on the phone and they don't believe that it's happening right and it's wild and even some of her family in kiev in the beginning couldn't believe it. Like they were like, no, this is, this is not <laughs> true. This is just weird. And then it just got real. And I think, you know, for me, there was a point where I woke up in the morning feeling helpless and I felt like it's that thing, you know, me, have always wanting to help. And it's like, if we don't help, who will? Like, you know what I mean? It, it's literally that thing we're seeing now that we've become so disconnected that people think that they can push a like on a Facebook thing and they feel like they've done something and they can shut, you know, like they <laughs> we're connected, but we're not right? People like sending prayers. They don't fucking need your prayers. They need money. They need support. They need ammunition. Do you know what I mean? And I think so. I know for sure if this came here, uh, I mean, I'd, I wouldn't want our kids going to war, but I would go for sure. I would, I would fight because you have to,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have to. Like people can't sit back and go, you know, I'm just going to see what happens. Yeah. You know what happens when you see what happens. Something yeah. bad happens. Right? <laughs> anyway, those are my initial thoughts for sure. Yeah. Mm.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the interesting things as it relates to this pod, how many times over the course of the pod, I have made the claim and I did it on several different issues, but I have claimed this is the defining issue of our generation Mm. because (laughs) our generation is the first generation to have never gone to war. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, this is, it's actually war. There's actually war in Europe going on that is affecting our generation. And I think you're, I think you're right, Steve. If we were in Ukraine, we would probably be fighting. It's almost unbelievably unbelievable for me to think of that, but it's also unbelievable for me to think that I wouldn't fight if that was going on. You know, I remember the first day when they, when they first started bombing Kiev, I was going to see my trainer. He's about our age, a little bit younger than us. And I got there and we were kind of talking about it. I was like, dude, like think about it. Ukraine is kind of, you know, similar to Canada in size and population, 40 million or something, about the same size as Canada. Kiev is about the same size as Toronto. And I was like, this is like, you know, if America, our big, much stronger neighbor, just decided they were going to take over Canada. And we're like, oh, come on, you're not, you're not, you're not. And one day they just started bombing Toronto. Mm-hmm. And started taking over Toronto with guns. Yeah, It's like, that's happening mm-hmm. this morning. To guys just like, and we were like, what would we do? And we looked at each other and he's a very passive guy, teaches Zen Buddhist meditation. Yeah. We'd be fighting. We would like pick up guns and we would fight. Like we'd have no choice. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, I think what you're saying, Bruce, like the, the reason it's kind of affected is we've never thought through that process before. What would you actually do? Yeah. Right. And uh, thankfully we don't have to in this conflict either, but it's, um. It's a weird situation.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah. just before I let Georgie chip in. That's that's part of it for me, and especially I've never really fought in my life. <laughs> like yeah, right. like, I, like I really, you know what I mean. Well, like you guys know my clap. personality. We like clap, yeah, I, yeah, you get can't get even <laughs> clap your hands together yeah, properly. I can't, so I can't clap my hands. Punch. to start this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> like I've really been in no fights. Dude, in my you've had a
4: long storied hockey career to never have gotten in a dust up.
0: You know what's funny is I've never been in a hockey fight. good for you. I I always say that with hockey, you look for it. Hmm. Fighters fight and people that don't want to fight don't have to fight. Like I'm not saying that at some point you didn't get ragdolled by somebody um, and have to end up doing something. But really, if you don't look for it, you don't find it. And that's basically been my whole life. And as I get older, conflict bothers me more and more. And so I think that's why... This is really stressful to me right now to think that that I should yeah. get up and shoot some shoot at somebody or yeah. or like literally fight them. And I just I can't picture myself doing that. I really can't. Not that I wouldn't defend my family and wow. my country and my house and and all of that, right? But I I just I guess I just want a world where that doesn't happen. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You guys are gonna be surprised how off I am of the three of you on this point. I think this is a hangover from COVID. I have spent almost no time researching this or almost caring about it, which is the opposite of where you guys are are going. Mm. And I've been thinking about why. So it's fair to say that Les and I are probably the biggest news hogs. Like we probably consume more news, certainly political news than you two guys. I'm so disconnected with media because of the last two years of what I've had to go through with COVID that when I started hearing about this, I went, Well, of course he was gonna do that. I mean, he's done that twice already. He did it to Crimea most recently. He tried Afghanistan. He purposely waited for the Olympics to be over to do it. Like the like you know, I, I, I mentally went through this process and then I have not thought about it again. I haven't I haven't I know what's kind of going on. And I'm starting to realize most recently, and you'll see where this story will make sense. I went last minute to Arizona to golf. I didn't even look at the COVID requirements to get back into my country. The guy that I was with said, George, you know, you need this COVID test. And I went, oh, fuck yeah. And I went, drove around, got a COVID test to get back into the country. <laughs> and I started to realize I'm so tired in the last two years of constantly having to inform myself about one thing that I've stopped. People constantly ask me questions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What's the newest? I'm all, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know because I don't want to look. You've just and, had your head down for so long. I've so yeah. down. And so yeah. this war comes along, which is obviously a hugely important thing. And the only thing I can think about was, I remember when the first televised war in our lifetime was Desert Storm. Desert Storm. It was really mm-hmm. a televised war. So it built CNN. Yeah, it exactly. And it was constant coverage. And I remember being glued and seeing the bombings, the shock and awe. Yeah. And I was so into the war. I am so opposite to this war. And I think the reason is, is, is I'm tired and I don't want to be, I don't, I'm overloaded. I don't need something else. And then in the recesses of my mind, it's probably what people thought with the Bay of Pigs is there's actually a legitimate concern of weapons of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. vis-a-vis nuclear. I mean, that's what everybody is yeah. scared about that's my only concern is that there's actually going to be but uh, yeah i'm on the opposite end i don't think about the people i grew up with we had a ukrainian church in thompson <laughs> I know. oh yeah of course <laughs> right? you my so one of my are best ukrainian, friends is george. ukrainian yeah. In, <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 one of my best friends in calgary is ukrainian like we, he he wants to talk about it and i just blank stare him
4: well yeah. that's fine george i mean that's a, i think that's a different issue that's going on with you personally yes. yeah right yes. and that's you know we talk i say this all the time on the pod COVID has been very different for all the four of us yeah. in this room. Me, it's affected the least. You, it's affected the most. Then Bruce and Steven, yeah. right? We can go in that in yeah. that order. And that's fine, dude. Yeah. You've been fighting the good fight. You've been fighting the war against COVID on our mm-hmm. behalf and saving people's lives. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you got to put your head down and work. And that's, and that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of us who have bandwidth to think of this stuff, although it's not like I can actually do anything about it other than think about it and I guess try to contribute to the intellectual discourse on a global basis of how the world recovers from this. Because I think, guys, there's a lot of shit to think about with this issue. Oh yeah. Beyond, just as I was telling George the other day, beyond, you know, renting an Airbnb in Ukraine, which I've been doing yeah. <laughs> for the last couple of weeks. You know, we have our nice Airbnb Yeah, I was just wondering, in, is it open? I'd love Lincoln. to get there, but just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that made it real for me. I rented yeah. uh, an Airbnb. Shout out to Mark Fromson. It was he that gave me the original idea that a way that you can help Ukrainians right now Mm -hmm. is rent an Airbnb in Ukraine. That money is going to immediately be in the account of somebody who is there, who needs some money. They're fleeing. They're doing like whatever. So I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. So I did that. I rented the place. And then I started communicating with the woman that owns that Airbnb. And it was chilling. It was like you saying, speaking to your colleague who was there. And, you know, this woman saying, you know, Thanking me and saying she's sheltering women and children yeah. in in her building, yeah. and I'm like, "Fuck, this is like yeah. like real,
1: real." Yeah, yeah. And for me the, me, the real part for me was when, what could I do? And she said, "You know, uh, there's a website here. We opened up a. We actually opened up a runa. Over three point five thousand people come through and listen to her story. So there's a good thing for some of the social media. We can throw that in there, right? Mm-hmm. But because it was real, I had to do something, right? So I donated right away. But I think the the scary thing for me is that because Trump tired everybody out, then the pandemic tired everybody out that had to come into Putin's thinking, right? He's like, people are tired and, and I understand it. And I don't, this is not to, to George or me mm. or any, any, anybody that's tired of, of looking, but this is it as humans, we're either divisive or we're tired, right? Mm. We're either, yeah. we're either divisive exhausted. and fucking got mm. energy to fight somebody who has a different fucking view than us or we're exhausted and we don't want to fight. Which is a different, like they're both, they're both extremes. And that's what my worry is, is that people are legitimately tired at a time when we need to not be tired, when we need to actually stand up and do something. But Trump wiped us out, COVID came along, this has come along and and our friend Mala, it's like, what's next, aliens? Like what the, like what's on the list of things that is going to just, you know. I do feel like though. Excellent point. going back to what I said, I've unplugged a little bit. I don't follow this day to day
0: because it makes me upset. The conflict Mm -hmm. bothers me. So I really like, I'm following this at a high level, not day to day, but it feels to me like he painted himself into a corner now. So he counted on the world being tired out and just not caring and just thinking, okay, I can do whatever. And the world rose up way more than he thought. And now it feels like a Vietnam to me where he's like, I can't back down because I'll look like garbage. And there's people in his country who believe this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's been a bigger pushback from the world. And so now what do you do? Like, like this oh, guy yeah. this guy is just... Which might
1: even be scarier. Like this, It is. it humiliated Putin to me, I think, is more dangerous than a Putin that feels like he's well, getting everything A like,
0: humiliated any like not necessarily him, but a uh, humiliated any person that's that big of a dictator, or power, or monger yeah. person, mm-hmm. right? Like your personality isn't, oh, well, I tried on that one. I'll, ah, whatever. We'll sweep that one yeah. under the rug and try again. And like, I
1: only tune in to get, like, it's like I, I had that terrible feeling during Trump because I only only go on line for good news. And every day I do it, at least twice a day to get an update to just see like, is there some good friggin' news? Yeah. Like, did they, you know, are, are, are people doing better? Are more people rising up? Are we raising more money? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so this swing is really good, right? Mm-hmm. That they, they're on the offensive now is a, is a really good feeling. But again, when is it going to end? Like,
4: <laughs> well, that's you know? a, you know, when is it going to end and how is it going to end is, a, is an interesting thing right. because- even if they have a ceasefire you know in the next near period of time next days or weeks the global ripples from this event are going to affect the rest of our lives like it's just going to be the geopolitical destabilization that's going to happen as a result of this event is massive i don't think most people have realized that yet but you know we have seen over the course of our lives we've seen this slow steady continuous march towards globalization used to be when we were kids We could produce things in Canada, buy things in Canada. You would travel somewhere. They had their own stuff. You, oh, this is really cool. You can buy this here. You would bring it home, right? You could, oh, you can only get this when you're overseas in this place. That concept is gone now because the world realized it's way more efficient use of resources for you to build what you build, you to build what you build, and we'll all trade. Markets became totally globalized. And we're going to now see a retrenching from that position Mm -hmm. on a slow, steady basis because countries are going to realize That's not safe. Yeah. I cannot rely on any other country to supply me with something that's really important because I never know when they're going to go nuts. Right. I never know when an authoritative power is going to be elected in a previous democratic state and all of a sudden they're going to stop supplying us with whatever we need. Right. That Mm -hmm. in, in this case, the immediate thing was Russia and supplying natural gas to Western Europe, which is. You know, thankfully it's getting warm there now because who knows how they would heat their homes if it was going to happen in the winter. But the bigger fallout that uh, that's going to hit six to 12 months from now is people are going to starve in Africa as a result of this war. So I was reading the other day that 15% of the world's calories come from that region of the world. Okay. Wow. So the grain production out of Russia and Ukraine, which is going to stop, right? It's going to be totally disrupted. 40% of the world's fertilizer comes out of Russia. So farmers in Saskatchewan are not going to be able to get fertilizer for their crops. And in Brazil, like the, the markets are already pricing in the fact that the global food supply is going to be destabilized wow. for the foreseeable future. And eventually the trickle down is starving nations in Africa you know, that's where there's going to be famine and those people are going to starve. For us, you know, yeah, it sucks. Food's going to get more expensive, but we're not going to starve. But countries that are at subsistence levels, they're going to starve to death a year from now wow. as a result of this conflict. That's and it's like, that's up. a really fucked up thing to think about. You know what I,
3: this is probably the best thing about our pod is that we all have different strengths. So you very nicely, the way Les Hansen thinks. Talked S- about it. Scared the shit out of a No, 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 but you, <laughs> you, you, you brought, shit of... sorry. Shit is no, no, pants. no, no, I haven't thought about it and I'm glad that you did on my behalf. So you're yeah. bringing up a very good point that, because I'm not thinking about it, because I'm tired yeah. uh, of how it'll affect. And of course, conflict always hurts people on fringes. It's not yeah. going to hurt middle America. Like we're middle America, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we're Canada. Well, yeah. Gas is more expensive. We're going to complain. We're going to complain, whatever. I don't have to send my kid to war. I don't give a shit if if grass goes to $2 a liter. I'm not going to send my son for war.
0: Is this just another news event in the world? Like, is this just another something that's going on? Or is this a real, a real stress? And it's been a real stress to me. Yeah. Like, which surprised me when when it started, I thought, because normally... These events happen in the world. Do you know what
3: it feels like to me? The Winter Olympics. I didn't watch a single second. (laughs) I didn't either. I didn't watch a single second of the Olympics for the first time Like it shouldn't be that way. This this should be a much bigger deal in my
4: life. It's like the Beijing Olympics to me. Like it's whatever. Yeah, interesting. I'll tell you something. I've got another angle that I want to throw out because this is something I've been thinking about in terms of this conflict that's really been bothering me because it's a bit of a sidelined thought. I've spoken a lot on previous pods about how in my mind, most of the conflict that we have, problems we have in the world comes down to income inequality, right? We have this massive disparity between rich and poor on a global basis. And no matter what we do, rich people keep getting richer and poor people keep getting poorer, right? And those sides are just getting further and further and further apart. Okay. So now we're in a situation where we're going to war But that war, for the first time ever, is being fought with money. Because, you know, in World War I, in World War II, war broke up out in Europe. America said, we're going to help you. And they sent fucking troops over to Europe to fight. This time, America said, we're going to help you. We're going to put economic sanctions on Russia. We're going to financially penalize Russia. And good for them for doing it. They're trying to do something in all the Western countries. The speed at which these sanctions have come and the randomness and then the, the viral support for all of it. So very quickly, if you're a large corporate entity and you didn't say, we're going to stop doing business in Russia, you were getting slaughtered. You know, like Coke said, we'll stop one day before Pepsi. And that was probably the worst day of Pepsi (laughs) corporate history, right? (laughs) Like, like all of these companies saying, we're going to financially peel. So, so now we're at the point where we're going to war. Russia is killing, murdering innocent people, committing atrocities, and we're going to say, well, we're going to penalize you financially for doing that. That's like what the, the world has become. Yeah, we I all don't... cheer that these oligarchs, oh, his yacht worth, you know, $600 million, uh, Italy seized it. Yeah, take away his yacht. Dude, taking away a guy's yacht isn't stop <laughs> stopping people from, people getting, from killed. getting killed, right? Yeah, like, that's it's what just,
1: I don't, that's what I, I, can't, get. Really I can't get. It's a really bizarre concept I can't get that. I cannot get, to, and people try to explain it to me. But it's bullshit. Like you're there. Oh, they can't be NATO now. You know, we were considering it. Now we're not, you didn't fill out the fucking application. Like, like, and that's why I can't follow it through. And that's why I can only check in for updates and, and one day feel like I get, want to get out of bed and get on a plane and go to (laughs) Ukraine. Like I was literally spinning in my bedroom one day going, I got to do something, but it doesn't make sense to me that they don't fucking stop the killing of innocent people. Like that, that they can. Do well, you mean like, world like NATO trying. or the US or just, somebody just yeah. doesn't Any, just roll in? Yeah.
4: The one thing that should like help like soothe that pain <laughs> that you feel from that is the fact that, can anybody remember a single global event where the entire world was so uniformly in support of one side against another? Like where the whole world came together and said, whoa, hold on, fuck you, Russia. You got to stop doing that shit. The world wars. Like, Right? Well, I, I well think, no, because I think they were very sometime. divided. There are lots what, of countries on each side. World Wars COVID, all had allies, at like, point.
0: There, is, there. I don't think there's anyone that's come out in full support. right? So it sounds like yeah. China's been kind of like... Eh, well, you've got
4: to waffle in a lot of situations. Yeah, you have the, to waffle.
0: Like, there's been a few people that... But I mean,
4: in, in terms of like, like online 100%. viral community, right? Like, like we were talking, Steve, when we were walking over here, I was saying, it'd be really shitty to be a Russian person living anywhere outside of Russia right now because yeah. you're getting trolled. You're getting destroyed for being Russian. We're going to start hating on Russian people.
1: That's stupid. That is stupid. I mean, that doesn't make sense either. It's unfortunate. But
4: the world, you know, we've become this crazy, divided, online trolling, throwing hate back and forth so quickly that I was telling these guys, there's a bar in Toronto called Pravda, been around forever. It's a Russian vodka bar. The woman, the owner, came out a couple weeks ago and said, I got to change the name and rebrand my bar. I'm not Russian. The bar's not Russian. It's just a bar. But there was getting so much online trolling and hatred. She says, I gotta change the name. I can't you don't want to have anything to
1: do associated with yourself with Russia right now. It's like that's a crazy But but again, I reaction. Because it's that's like to me, it's it's like on one hand it feels like oh everybody's rushed to help somebody or to, to to be on the side, but this sensationalism doesn't run deep. Yeah, you're right. right. I said that was going to
4: make you feel better, but it kind of makes you feel
1: worse. It kind of, well, it's a bit, no, I mean, it's it's, true. I think we're as capable, we're, we're more capable than we think, Mm. you know, and that's what makes me sad is that our potential isn't optimized, but the people rush, whether it's divisiveness or jumping on someone's opinion or whatever, this rush is almost fashionable in moments right? Yeah. The, who's going to get behind this? And it's, to me, it's like, that's why I said it, a prayer, prayer, prayer. And, you know, we got right away, like, how do we donate? What can we do? What do we, you know, what, what can we start talking to? Whatever, what can we do? Yeah. To me, that's what we need now. We don't need prayers. Not to say that my mom's prayers aren't helpful, but we need more than prayers, right? Because, you know, this <laughs> thing's bigger than God, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, it's and, big, it's and, bigger than God.
0: And to get back to what George said, right? It's a, uh, it's a GoFundMe in the news cycle right now, which, yeah. with, right? Like a global yeah. GoFundMe where everybody jumps on and we all send money and we worry about it. And then yeah. in two weeks, it, it disappears. Ho- hopefully well, not. Well, I mean, yeah, the, you
4: know what? Let's hope in two weeks it disappears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, Let, let's hope that they well, orchestrate a ceasefire. They find out a way, figure out a way to make Putin look like he's saving some face and stop and back up. And... A couple of thoughts. Uh,
3: Putin is going to come out of this completely unscathed. Like they, they have to give him an out there. There's no chance on earth that they're going to crush this guy unless they try to assassinate him on the inner circle, which I don't think they will. Cause I think he's, uh, so I think he's going to go unscathed, whatever the outcome is. He's not leaving head of office Two, um, I am worried about what your two comments are about the go fund me. I think there's going to be this, we are in this crescendo phase. And I think we're going to be shocked how quickly Mm -hmm. this goes away for us, whatever the outcome is. I think if we talk about this six months from now, people will forget about it because the news cycle changes so quickly. So that's both terrifying and saddening to me. And then three, I think so much goes on behind the scenes that I love talking about it, but I think we have such a tiny perspective of oh, almost sure. anything yeah. that happens internationally yeah. that not to sound, you know, conspiracy theorists, whatever we get fed news wise is what we get fed. Like we eat mm-hmm. what's on our plate. Like I, you know, I grew up and my mom put on my plate. I didn't have a choice. And so I think we're getting very, very, very limited perspectives. So Steve, who has somebody who's giving a first person account that's cool. Like, I mean, that's, that's interesting. That's pretty real. real.
0: The two interesting things. One of them is Russia, how big Russia really is. So this is happening on one side of the largest country in the world. Like you're in Nova Scotia and there's a war in Vancouver. For a lot of people in that country, I'm sure it doesn't even feel real. It's that far away. Um, The other interesting story from this American life was just, they, they had done a story on the last, when this stuff with was happening with Crimea and they said, you have to understand from the people inside of Russia, how much better Putin made that country for oh, yeah. them. Absolutely. Like he created a middle class. There was never a middle yep. class. Yes. So there are millions upon millions of people that think maybe he is a little bit of a monster. We don't know what he's doing internationally. Yep. We really don't care. I have a swimming pool in my neighborhood now.
4: Yeah, for sure. And I didn't used to have He, took, roads. he took millions of Russians out of poverty. And into like lower middle classes for sure. And, and he's so a hero to most of those people. To
0: to most of the country. Yeah. And maybe in some respects rightfully so. Like the, yeah. how he how he did that is probably questionable. But then when we spin that out into the question about athletes and, you know, rock stars and all these other people in the world who are Russian and yeah. how how now we're worried about how we treat them like we're kind of vilifying them in yeah. some respects. Like Alex Sovechkin is a is a great example of that yeah. because he's a friend of Putin. There's no, that's just a fact. But now, how does this guy operate in Washington, D.C., where he plays hockey? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's hard. It, and I don't know what the answer to that is. All you got to say,
1: uh, Ovechkin, is war is bad. That's all you had to say. Well, he <laughs> is saying war is bad. Like yeah, he's come forward, but, comport- but I mean. he,
0: it's been slow going, Tip, too, because he's around like, it his family and friends and presumably he was going to
1: retire sure. back and hang out yeah. with Putin. So like, he's got to be yeah. careful too. And you right? can't speak against Putin because your family will be jailed. I mean, yeah. it's that real, right? I mean, yeah,
4: well killed. It's a crazy killed. situation.
1: I just, I think, uh, we just need humans to pick up their fucking game. That's it. Pray for peace. Just a little bit. I mean, yeah, you know, just, just a bit. If everybody can just do one small thing a little bit better, like it's just, uh, I think my, my disillusionment in humans, grows while the hope does in some a- aspects. Like, cause we've seen some really great things through, through Trump and, and, uh, you know, I think these things reveal character, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, just, I just, I think we can do a little bit better. That's all.
3: Georgie, anything else? Yeah. I'm not sure I could top that other than people <laughs> are confusing what that little thing is. They're supplanting likes and social media outrage with true doing, acts, something, true. doing yeah. something and that's disappointing yeah. and yeah. that's becoming more prevalent
0: my final thoughts would be i guess that's kind of what scares me is what would i do right like i know i want to do something but do i have the intestinal fortitude to do it other than hit a facebook like and i really hope that i do um and hope that it never comes to having to do anything more than money and i mentioned this in one of the covid pods was what Les said, we've never gone to war. We've never fought for anything. Tragically hip quote. Yeah. Um, and, and we thought COVID was terrible. Where for two years, we couldn't, you know, go grocery shopping without a mask. And our world almost disintegrated. And then you see this coming and you think, okay, what if we had to fight for five years? Yeah. Or seven years. you had to actually
4: fucking pick up a gun and hide behind the corner of your house well, and shoot at somebody. Right. Exactly.
0: Or, or for five years, you went to bed every night thinking, what if a bomb drops on Thompson, Manitoba, or yeah. on your community? Or every night you could hear it. Or every night you could hear it. You could hear it and you just don't know where it's going to hit. Our two years wasn't so bad.
1: Yeah. 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 That's a good, that's a good, that's a good spot. Yeah. That's a good spot.
0: And now we find ourselves back at May 1st, 2022. For me, surprisingly, I'm embarrassed or I'm sad to say that my prediction came true. And this was sort of a blip in the news cycle for me. So I've, I've stopped following this story. For the most part, my life has kind of moved on. And because I don't watch a lot of news, it hasn't bubbled to the surface in very many respects for me. Really, my only one big thought coming out of it, and maybe I'll have some more after George uh, pokes us a little bit on this, is I feel like the world has managed it a little bit better than I thought. I don't feel like it's escalated a whole bunch. I don't think we've chased Putin back as far as we would have liked to at this point. But I also am happy that, uh, that it doesn't feel like it's moved a lot more. Now, with that said, I'm not following it too much. And maybe, maybe wars move slowly and I'm being naive that, that things are still happening. Those are kind of some of my thoughts on it. I'm curious to hear if George has followed it more now because we kind of caught him off guard <laughs> in that recording, uh, not knowing that we were going to talk about it, although it was in the notes.
2: So, I listened to this pod a couple of times, and the thing that struck me was what all of you have said and made me think about it a little bit more. And I followed it slightly more. So, I thought I would just go around the horn and highlight some of the things that you guys said that resonated uh, with me. And I think all the good points that you uh, brought up because I wasn't prepared for that original pod. So, let's start with, you know, Bruce, his best point was that Putin actually made Russia better. And I think people Mm -hmm. sometimes forget uh, what an important leader he has been to uh, Mother Russia. And it it reminds me, uh, a couple of years ago, I saw the 60 Minutes uh, on Putin and specifically his strategy about reintroducing the importance of uh, religion. Because one of the things that have really struck me when I've started to follow this is there's not a single clergy person in Russia that has ever said war is bad like they are fully behind Putin. Like nobody is denouncing him where traditionally religion would say, yeah, killing people is pretty bad. The other thing that struck me with Bruce, which just follows your comment is, I think it's where you live, Bruce. Uh, You know, I'm watching in a video, you're wearing camouflage, you're sitting outside of your cabin. You live like you are literally insulated and I think you live generally a happy small town insulated life. And I suspect that lots of people in Thompson and around Canada feel the same way. It just doesn't touch them. So they don't think about it. Steve said a couple of really good things. I think one of the best things that he said was how people are generally tired. I think he said Trump, COVID, the Ukraine. I think he's going to be able to say six months from now, 12 months from now and years from now, just the, the third and the fourth thing along that line of thinking. Uh, life is not getting less complicated. Things just go faster and faster. And there'll be just another big thing. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, not needing prayers, needing action. And I couldn't feel like he kept saying things in a different way. And then it struck me after I heard it the second time, he was actually pra- paraphrasing a very famous quote that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I mean, we've all heard that quote. And I think that's what Steve was trying to say in his way is that things needed to be done I love that Les said about how the globalization has caused insecurity. I don't think people would have predicted that. And in particular, the of the food and energy. And, uh, and then you mentioned this point about financial sanctions, how that's kind of the war that's being fought internationally. And it, and it occurred to me, and I'm interested in your thoughts, what is the purpose of the United Nations, or just generally speaking, global organizations? I feel like they're the IOC. They're just... Like, I don't know if they have the gravitas that they used to have. It's, I feel they're almost impotent in what they could do, especially since Russia and China are permanent members of these organizations, and they, they, they really are held non-accountable. Like, I, I just don't think they have what it takes. Uh, I love that Les said for the 10th time in our pods that this is the defining issue of our generation. <laughs> you know, you kind of joked about that. I would completely disagree with him that this is not the defining issue. The defining issue in our life is 9-11. The world is pre-9-11 and post-9-11. There is nothing in between. That for sure is a strong hash mark in our life. And he also said something interesting. You know, we never thought what we would do. Like we all talked about what would you do? Would you pick up arms? Would you shoot? And so I started to think about all the wars that we have gone through. And it was actually sad when I made a list. So here it is, 1991, Kuwait, 93, Somalia, grotesque war, atrocities, Bosnia, even worse human atrocities, Kosovo, then the second Iraq war, and then Syria, where they clearly used chemical weapons on their own people. So this lends a little bit to how fast news cycles are. People forget. It's probably why Ukraine doesn't mean very much to me, because this we've been here and done that. Granted, this is a little bit of a larger scale. And then for me, I reflected on what I said. Now, for me, the atrocities are evident. In the last couple of weeks, it's very clear how gross every war is, but this one. And uh, and I also predicted the threat of nuclear war just last, like maybe 72 or 96 hours ago, I read something on my feed that, you know, Putin starts to bring out the nuclear war card. So those are my thoughts. So really... All my thoughts were based on what you said. And I think that's five minutes of stuff.
0: This war is probably more real to us because those countries are way more like ours than lots of the other ones that you that you mentioned, right? Like Somalia, it's harder to identify. I've you know, never been there. Whereas I picture Russia like Canada, basically, right? Like it's very, very similar, like it's European. So that, that's probably a little bit of it. You missed the Me Too movement in the defining issues, George, I think. But it, it's a little bit different than what you're talking about. Les, he hit you with a bunch of questions. So try to answer. I hope you were making a list because I was was trying
4: to I was trying to jot down notes. That was a lot all at once to to try to respond to a lot of really interesting things that you said there. Um, The first one is, George, I don't think I was trying to say that this war is going to be the defining event of our generation. At least a month ago, I wasn't saying that yet. Hopefully it doesn't become that. Um, Obviously, if it progresses and ends up as nuclear war, it certainly will be. So, fingers crossed, it doesn't become. I was pointing out the fact that I've dropped in a number of times. A lot of other events that could become the defining event of our generation because our generation hasn't had a war, right? A war that we've been involved in. And I think Bruce's point on that list of of wars and conflicts uh, that you stated is valid in that those were wars that have gone on in the world during our adult lives, none of which particularly touched us in a manner that this one has has started to. And I think Bruce is correct. This is a lot more real because it just touches a little closer to home. So I think that's what I was was trying to say with that point. I think you raise a very good question of what the role of the UN is and whether it has a, a role moving forward. It's clearly come out that it's not very effective in situations like this at doing anything. I know George. I remember when we were in Winnipeg, and I was asking you what you thought of the fact that you know some of these large global organizations that we have given so much credit to over the past tumbled in light of COVID, with World Health Organization and the CDC. Everyone say, well, wait, wait till the wait till the WHO actually puts out their information, and then we'll follow them. And then was like, wait, what the hell are they even functioning properly as an organization, right? So the credibility of these large global organizations has really been called into question. I think in the last couple of years, and with this conflict, you might be able to just add the United Nations to that to that list. You know, unfortunately, I don't know what the United Nations is supposed to do in this situation, but it's it's hard to see that they're doing anything super effective. You know, getting through the emotional shock of seeing this. Um, I think Steve is right that, you know, here we are five, six weeks later, you now turn on the news. It's going to be the opening story on every news channel. It's going to be the war porn of the day. And you kind of buzz through it because it's like, yeah, I know, I get it. It's terrible, but I don't really want to fill my ears with it again for another day. Um, some of the economic themes I think are interesting. The, the sanctions have held up tremendously whether or not they've actually impacted what's going on still remains to be seen because Putin has held up in the face of the sanctions. Although I think we're going to see something interesting now because you know, the big thing with the economic sanctions that the world tries to put on Russia is the European countries were really stuck in a bind there because they rely on Russia so much for their energy, right? So you say to Germany, stop importing oil and gas from Russia They're like, oh, hold on. (laughs) That means we got to turn off 50% of our electrical grid if we stop importing power from Russia. Like we just can't do that on a dime. But in the last six weeks, those countries have done a tremendous job of putting plans in place to reduce their reliance on Russian energy. And I think it was yesterday I was reading Um, that the EU is getting closer to introducing an oil embargo on Russia, which is really going to start to crush the Russian economy. And that's where you might see sort of a reversal in stance of the Russian population who's so very supportive of Putin. I think that's probably been one of the most disappointing things. You know, we talked about this when we recorded a month ago, we said like, it's kind of weird, like our are we just going to start hating Russian people now? And all these Russian people outside of Russia are going to start being, you know, chastised and you know have to wear this, the fact that they're Russian. And we're like, wow, that's kind of crazy because this is really about Putin. Now you get, you know, five, six weeks later, and you see, yeah, actually, from what we can tell, because it's very hard to get accurate information out of Russia, but from what we can tell, the support of the Russian people for the war is a lot higher than we would have liked to have thought, maybe only completely crushing their economy is the thing that can back that off because I think the disinformation inside of Russia as to what's actually going on in this war is off the charts. And it's almost staggering to think, like I'd like to think if the Canadian government went to war with, I don't know, pick a smaller, lesser country than Canada because we're not going to attack the US, right? But if the Canadian government went to war in a real significant action, I'd like to think that we would be able to know what was really going on, that they would not be able to mask the information flow to the Canadian people so perfectly that we would all be blindly following military leaders into war. Maybe I'm naive. I'm not even going to say, I think we could do it. I'm going to say, I would like to believe that that is the situation in Canada. It's clearly not the situation in Russia because it's, uh, it's unbelievable the level to which they're able to mask what the Russian army is actually doing in the Ukraine. And it's, it's fucking nuts. Like it's It's called
1: state run media.
4: Yeah. But it's not, I mean, yeah, Russia's a, a very interesting and somewhat unique place. I think the level of atrocities that have been discovered like in the last few weeks, like it's, it's on another level, right? It's not just, hey, you have a strategic asset and we're going to bomb you till you give up that asset. It's no, we're just going to come and brutally kill your people because we don't like you, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a different type of war and a different level of war. And I think that one of the things that is kind of the in- interesting longer term flow out of that I don't think that he ever survives this and gets back into the global community the way he has previously, where the world world leaders knew Putin was doing shitty things. They knew he went into the Ukraine. You know, he was in the Donbass. He was in Crimea. He was in Syria. He's doing a lot of shitty things. But it's like, okay, well, you really need to stop doing that. But he's still you know, coming to the, the G20 and the G7 and, you know, rubbing shoulders with world leaders and whatnot, he's still kind of accepted. I don't know that that can happen after this. Like, I don't, I think that his ability to move in those circles is probably ending. We may look back on this with Putin and Hitler on like the same page <laughs> of history, right? Which is, you know, not something that I was thinking about Five, six weeks ago, I was thinking this is a ruthless guy who will stop at nothing to get what he wants. But now I think the level of sort of evil encompassed in that has gone to the next level, which is dark and uh, disheartening. The other interesting thing is the NATO alliance and specifically the US stance on what's going on there continues to ramp up. They have gone from economic sanctions, no matter what, we're not sending people into the war zone, because that would be an act of war against Russia. And we're not going to go to war with Russia because that ends up in a nuclear conflict. They keep sending more money. Biden came out last week and said, we're going to continue to send more military and artillery related components. The Secretary of State was there a couple of days ago. Nancy Pelosi showed up in Kiev yesterday. I don't know what the hell these, you know, American politicians always think they have to go. It's like they're going for the fucking photo shoot or something, right? Like, what the hell is Nancy Pelosi doing in Kiev? I don't feel like that's necessary. But, you know, her statement is America is going to back Ukraine all the way until this is over. So we're getting closer and closer to the United States and Russia actually being at war. No way to define it as anything other than, and that's a different. Like that's a whole other level of conflict. At that point, George, this will become the defining event of our generation. Well done. I like how you
0: brought it all the way back around. <laughs> that, was a, that was a pro move right back nice. to the defining, <laughs> defining nice moment. Reach, yeah. reach yeah.
4: Nice reach around.
1: Nice reach around. Still ending. So I come around. Oh, I'm sorry, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, uh, Disillusionment, right? You know me, my position. Uh, you know, I'm, the whole thing confuses me. I'm afraid this won't define us because I think the next the next crazy bullshit thing that humans do is gonna we're gonna be having the conversation like, oh my God, this is gonna define us. <laughs> like it's just it's just getting perpetually bad. You know, I listened to the podcast a couple times. I, I feel the same way. I thought people make some really good points. Uh, my friend, by the way, is now in my homeland of the Netherlands. Her and her family uh, kind of escaped to there and and they're doing well. This is the biggest, saddest fucking commentary on our society. I don't think the Russian people are free from this. It's not until people lose their fucking Amazon Prime or their internet or they start getting uncomfortable individually in terms of their life that they'll start... Like And I agree, I think the economic sanctions and the pressure uh, on the Russian uh, government and the the economic stability there is probably the only thing that's going to wake the Russian people up, that their government is involved in something that is, is negatively impacting their lives and their livelihood, because I think that's what Putin has been held in high regard for. He got us out of this poverty, made our lives better, and then all of a sudden now, it's negatively affecting our lives, right? And I think he's created the oligarchy and he actually per- perpetuates it. You know, they're gonna get uncomfortable enough <laughs> and, and want, want something to change. And I think, unfortunately, that's the only thing. The other thing I like to see though, is I do like to see that, you know, NATO stepped it up a bit in terms of their verbal support and I think uh, seeing the money and the arms going in from the US, it's 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 too bad it came on the heels of, oh my goodness, they might win this. So let's let's amp up our support for them. That to me is both inspiring and disappointing at the same time. I still feel like I wish we could do more. I've started talking to some people I know about doing an event where we can raise some money and whether it's for the, the effort or the, the refugee situation in terms of the people that are coming here, that's uh, kind of where I'm at. I just hope, I hope enough pr- pressure gets put on uh, Russia that somebody either convinces Putin or kills them. I mean, I'm, I'll be good with either, I think, uh, as long as this can stop, so and i'm not a big fan of killing people i mean that that's a pretty extreme thing for me to say you know i'm a bit confused like what they did to the people in syria what's happening in ukraine still got nothing on what happened right like and they're like oh he's a war criminal they did worse things to people in syria than they have in ukraine so far and and they didn't do anything they didn't try him as a war criminal he was like back back in and rubbing elbows again and now they're like oh he's a war criminal like i'm just getting sick and tired of the vantage point being a result of whatever benefits, whoever saying what they need to say at the time. I said that about the pandemic, right? When it's starting to lift and you guys said, well, what do you think? I'm like, I don't think we're uncomfortable enough. And look at the fucking healthcare workers are getting shit on. Doctors are getting shit on. They're withdrawing the supports that they said were gonna be in place. It's not even over. And they forgot that it fucking happened, right? So as humans, we just are not learning from these crises. Because we're either divisive or individualistic, and we continue to perpetuate this shit. We open the door for Putin. We're going to open the door for the fucking next thing unless we, as a group of humans, do something about it. Period. That's that's how I feel today. I like how
0: you brought it around too to saying people got to be uncomfortable. Like well, they won't do anything till they lose their internet, George. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now we see some action in yeah. Calgary. Our young warriors can only, <laughs> only sit in the dark uh, and eat ice creams for so long before they, for so long. they rise up. <laughs> <Before> they... <laughs> for sure.
4: We, we should uh, probably that's... just a quick shout out as well a month later to the incredible sustained resilience of the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian military you know yeah. the David and Goliath situation. Here we are six weeks later. It's like even more impressive than it was when we talked yeah. about it previously.
0: Yeah.
2: It's
4: yeah. incredible.
0: Hundred percent. Maybe we end on that note. Excellent Sunday brunch, boys. I don't know if we mentioned that off the top, but this is a bit of a rare time for us to connect, but it worked great. Loved it. Good little recap on what's going on.
4: All right. Is that a wrap, Bruce?
0: <laughs> I guess that's a wrap. I wasn't sure how to end it, so <laughs> I'll
4: yeah, there you go.
2: Something out with the uh...
4: Jorge. You're still there. You've gone quiet.
2: Yeah, no, I'm just listening. Well, I got tons to say. I mean, we can oh, keep talking about this come, forever, come, but...
4: Come back or give, give Jorge another, uh, another round Yeah. Up.
2: I'm really terrified of Putin's ego in this situation because I think he's trying to bring back his old mother Russia. If you think about in our lifetime, mm-hmm. in, in a very mm-hmm. short period of time, how the, the USSR has broken up. And, uh, you know, this is in... A very obvious way, him reclamating, you know, lost land and his legacy. And when you have uh, a narcissist who thinks about his ego, uh, you're in trouble uh, because they don't back down. And that's why I predicted there is no out for him other than what Steve said. He's either dead or he goes back to where he was before. Uh, and, and, I, and I suspect it'll be the latter. And the second thought that occurred to me was... Uh, how secure we are as a country versus so many other countries. Like, I, I, I'm not sure we're self-sustained because I don't know enough about our, our economy from, you know, east to west. But if you think about us, just basic stuff like grain in Saskatchewan, oil and gas, it really is. I think this war may, at the very least, slow down Canada's steady progress to sustainable energy and other things, because like Les pointed out, people are going to start entrenching. They're going to have to, they're going to have to reflect and go, wow, maybe that trans mountain pipeline is a really good deal. And thank God it's, it's over. And maybe we do need oil going East, West. Like I'm just using that as an example, because I'm obviously from Alberta, but I would say that about anything. I would say that about that, the fisheries, on East Coast, I would say about hydroelectric in Manitoba and Quebec. I mean, I think if this goes much further and we flirt with nuclear war, any normal national government will have to say, holy fuck, this is like super insecure from top to bottom from like putting food on the table to letting people, you know, move from province to province. We may have to back down a little bit on some of our policies and and that's my prediction. I think Canada is well-poised. Dude, water, we own two-thirds of the world's fresh water. Mm -hmm. There's lots to talk about this. Until
4: somebody wants to
1: come and take it, George.
4: Yeah, (laughs) that's the thing. In the 100-year future, somebody comes for our resources. Because you're right, George, we have an overabundance of natural resources. We have energy, we have water, we have food production, we have fisheries, we have forestry. Canada can be self-sustaining. Canada's biggest problem economically is we don't have enough people for all of the resources that we have <laughs> look at the map it's kind of uh this this weird spread out smattering but eventually uh, the u.s will just come and take our resources sorry <laughs> to be so so dark and blunt on that but <laughs> no,
1: i agree i agree Lesson and and our, our children's children are going to be wondering how come the world isn't coming to them that's the way i yeah. see it
4: yeah too. you know what if we have a good relationship with america then maybe it's not too bad because they'll come and take it nicely and they'll give us something for it and they, know, will they will kiss us. They will kiss
1: us. They will give maybe, us. a yeah, maybe they take we us should us dinner. Be,
4: Maybe we should all be part of the same country, and you know, the best of what we have can rub off on them a little bit, and the resources get shared, and their power gets shared. Who knows?
1: I was knows? thinking getting cav implants, and if I was American, I think it would seem easier. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but yeah, George, you're you're correct on that. Um, not just on food. But here we are a month later and global supply chain issues are starting to really get out of control. You think it's hard to get stuff now, it's only going to get worse. Shipping is being disrupted everywhere. So random product shortages yeah. in this next six to 12 months are going to just come out of the blue all the time. Um, and that's mm. a big result of this for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: My one other question that I didn't didn't throw out, and I don't know if we want to talk about it, but have you guys seen or heard or thought about what if the, what if scenario, what if Trump was still in office? How different oh, I, would different? I be think about that all the time. It gives me shivers.
4: I know that's a crystal ball question, but it's kind of scary. Well, I think if Trump was still in office, the U S would be doing nothing. And yeah. the Western European NATO leaders would be begging the U S to get involved and help. And the U S would not be doing it.
1: Yeah.
4: yeah. And a lot worse yeah. potential situation for the rest of the free world in the long run. George is right. The thing with Putin being a crazed narcissist is we can say, yeah, we can really crush the Russian economy. If the EU puts a full oil embargo on Russia, that takes something like 12% of their GDP off the table. Like It's going to have a huge impact for five, 10 years. But knowing that Putin doesn't give a shit about the Russian people, (laughs) And whether his own people are starving or standing in bread lines, whether you know, knowing that that's not a motivating factor for his decision making, what does it really do? Right. I think the other maybe more interesting angle in terms of what could lead to the end of this is thinking back, right? History always repeats itself. So how did America win the cold war? Well, Russia, the Soviets, went to war in Afghanistan for so long they spent themselves out of money and they broke the bank on this war that just lasted forever. And America just let them do it and baited them into doing it. Now there's a, a, a belief that the Americans are starting to look at this the same way, like, okay, yeah. maybe not a bad thing if Russia continues wasting key military resources, bombing Eastern Ukraine for the next year and greatly reduces their military capacity moving forward so that they can't do other worse things after the fact, which is terrible if you're Ukrainian, because it's like, okay, so they become the pawn on the chessboard that gets sacrificed to save the queen. But that's one of the longer term angles that people are starting to look at and wonder if that's what the US strategy is going to be.
1: But your, your, your armies aren't as necessary when you hit the red button.
4: Well, I mean, that, that, exactly, that's the, Steve. The, the that changes is, everything. Like, he's
1: got. He has got. Yeah. He has got. Like they, like you know, they estimate their nuclear arsenal to be much bigger than they than they believe it to be. Yeah. Right? And it's and that's what they put their money towards. And they, yeah, they're they're bleeding their army. Mean, I agree with you. I think the UK and the US are doing that. They're loving to see the military and the economic bleeding of of Russia right now. But that just makes, as George was saying, and we've talked about before, just makes Putin more desperate. To to pull his uh, no pun intended the trump yeah. card and yeah then that's well it, that's right? the like,
4: that's the scary thing right that's right. the that's the game changer yeah. but yeah you
2: guys are talking about legacy yeah you're yeah. You're, you're threatening yeah. his legacy and for him that's all he's got left yeah right world leaders uh, are interested in their legacy when you combine his ego with what his legacy is for his Russian people there is no line he will not cross.
4: As as evidenced by what we've seen.
1: Well, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not happy. Most <laughs> way to start by yeah. Sunday. Have a great day. Happy Physician's Day, George. Thanks for all your yeah. work. You're so, not getting yeah.
0: anything else from me, George. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, all
2: I want is this pot out, Bruce. All I want. Oh, oh,
4: look at that. <laughs> look at that. Yeah. So, Steve, no romantic sunset drinks on the... Rooftop for the Broadview this afternoon.
1: No, but we let's do it uh, next weekend though. My around last weekend next in Sunday we'll for that. a while, yeah. All right. All, right. <laughs> all right, friend. Cool. All right. Well, uh, give give my best to all your families, guys. And uh we'll talk soon, okay? We'll do sounds good. Stay warm, Bruce. <laughs> okay, let you guys yeah, stay and try and see we <laughs> left them behind. <laughs> yeah. Way behind. We've always been together. We're four of a kind, having fun all day, padding around and laughing away. Just best friends. Best friends are we.
0: That's the end. Tell your friends to find us on social media at SnowDayPod. We have an email to Snowdaypod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, we are Snow Day Podcast. Thanks to the rest of our team, our brother Steve, social media Todd, producer Mike, and the secret weapon, Shannon Bison.
4: War, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing, say it again.
0: We won't be offended if you turn us off right now, but if that whole bit about... How this war is going to affect global economics and food moving around the world caught your attention. Here's Les talking after he thought the mic was turned off.
4: I learned a lot about um, food. Some really interesting facts about food reading on this last week. You'd be interested to know the global food supply at any point in time is 90 days. The world supplies. The uh, world exists on a ninety-day food supply supply chain.
3: Like, if you shut it off
4: right now, you yeah. have three in months. Ninety days, the world's out of food. That's insane. Yeah, it's crazy eh, to think about. Like, that's how we keep efficient food. we are at keeping at keeping things going. So, disruptions yeah. in the global supply chain Persons. are fucking crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Sixty percent of sixty-five percent of the world's calories come from carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grain, wheat, rice, yeah. potatoes, corn. Yeah. Okay. 15% of those total calories come out of that part of the world. 15% of the world's total fucking calories are coming out of that part of the world uh-huh. that's going to stop. Yeah. yeah. And there's going to be a massive, that's massive fuck up to much, global agriculture. Much, uh,
1: uh, yeah. Green came out of,
4: uh, yeah. Green. Well, that's why so many Ukrainians moved to the it's Canadian few, prairies yeah. and kept farming. Yeah. Because, you know, they call it the breadbasket of the world, right? Yeah. That area of yeah. the of the Ukraine and Russia. Is it the Caucasus? Is that where the word Caucasian comes for? Um, anyway, whatever, the breadbasket of the world. And it's very similar to the Canadian prairies. Yeah. Right. And they're, oh, this this actually fucking works. It feels like home. Feels like home.
3: So yeah. having potash, the largest fertilizer Producer on Earth is probably a good thing in Saskatchewan. Well, it's gonna
4: it's gonna help, but yeah. it's not nearly enough okay, okay. because because ammonia, mm-hmm. which is a requirement in pretty much all fertilizer, comes from natural gas. And natural There's gas, forty percent of the world's natural gas Africa. supply is coming out of of Russia. But
1: that was Africa. It was natural gas? Was well, we gas. have quite it's a bit of natural gas.
4: Yeah, but it's still it's not gonna be enough. Yeah, and as nat gas prices are gonna go through the roof as they already are. Yeah. Um, I was reading about a farmer in Manitoba mm-hmm. who last week spent half a million dollars to buy fertilizer supply for 2023 because he's like, I know from what I'm seeing that next year, It'll fertilizer is going to be so fucking expensive, farmers aren't going to be able to buy it. And he so he it. put down half a million dollars of capital yeah. to supply, to to ensure that he has fertilizer. Because mm-hmm. what's going to happen yeah. is in all of the other agriculture producing countries right mm-hmm. so in the canadian prairies in brazil mm-hmm. corn and soybeans in the in the us mm-hmm. farmers are going to say holy shit my fertilizer cost is going up 80% mm-hmm. this year i'm going to plant 20% fewer acres this summer cuz i don't have enough capital mm-hmm. to spend to outlay right cuz farming is intensively is super capital intensive mm-hmm. right you put a million dollars into the ground, mm. and then you take out 1.1 million dollars six months later. Mm-hmm. But you got to have that million dollars, right? It takes a yeah. shit ton of yeah. capital to farm. So now you're like, I don't have enough capital. I don't have 1.5 million dollars to plant. I've only got my million dollars, so I can't buy enough fertilizer to do my whole 3,000 acre farm. So people farm. are just going to. So, so I'm have only to doing 2,000 acres this summer. Those decisions are going to are happening right now. Yeah. In Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta—I guarantee mm. it—all around the world. In Brazil, they were saying it's it's like crazy. The decisions they're making in Brazil already because they're like, "Fuck, we're not going to be able to get fertilizer." And in some places, I mean, you can't grow without fertilizer. Yeah, as you know, you can you can fucking put soybeans in the ground and you'll grow soybeans. But what we're used to, you know, forty bushels an acre, you're going to get four. Yeah. Right. So it becomes the cost of running your tractor then goes into negative. So it's 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 really fucked. Now the interesting kind of like. End point that I'm just starting to try to research on this is they now have ways in a lab to synthesize carbohydrate. It's two molecules that make up carbohydrate, it's amino dye or something, yeah. it, blah 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 blah. It's very simple. Yeah. And they can actually create it in a lab. And the 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 forecasting on that t- technology is like 20 years from now, mm-hmm. these like impoverished nations, because we're not, we're gonna, you know, we can't we can't even get ourselves to eat genetically modified food, right? Yes. We're like, you know, fuck that. If it's not like pure organic, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. it ain't going to my temple. Yeah. But poor people are going to start eating carbohydrates that are actually grown in, in lab synthetically. That that's how it's super fucking sci-fi, like when we were kids, reading with the shit Isaac <laughs> Asimov, yeah. but it's literally going to be synthesized carbohydrate production is completely capable now. Wow. And if we go for a 100 years, it's probably how half the planet's population is feeding itself, Or eat stuff. bugs or eat bugs. Well, that's protein Pro- source. Yeah, protein source. But so, there's not uh, enough carbohydrate in, in no. bugs to sustain you.
3: Well, remember, only 10,000 years ago when we started farming did any mammal start having a carbohydrate. We don't need a lot of carbohydrate in our diet. Like that's a, that's a very recent evolutionary – But don't
4: we need more for brain function, don't we?
3: Uh, maybe, maybe now. Uh, but yeah, from – a We've only re- very recently, you, sh- you should get, to, before I forget less, you got to get your dad to watch Purdy, that story on Netflix of that Saskatchewan farmer that fought uh, Monsanta, Monsanto for, have you seen it?
1: No, I've seen parts of it. Yeah,
3: so I, I watched it last All week. All right, again, we
0: really won't be offended if you turn us off now, but here's a little recommendation on a Twitter follow.
4: I will say for anybody who's listening, if you want to follow somebody who's incredibly interesting to get their thoughts on situations dealing with Putin and Russia, you should follow Garry Kasparov, who is the former world chess grandmaster, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. considered by a lot of people to be the greatest chess player of all times. Yeah. clearly has an incredible strategic uh, mind, and he's been an outspoken critic of Putin for many years predating this for many years mm-hmm. and uh, he likes to speak about this is the way Putin's brain works and this is sort of like the three-dimensional chest going on here so he's an interesting guy and obviously an incredibly intelligent guy to uh, to listen to or to and to read and think his thoughts on what's going on